Okay, well, it's, <laughs> it's nice to be loved. <laughs> it's really nice to not be able to see any of you, so I'm just going to spend some time talking to myself this morning. Uh, I'm definitely not used to lights, and uh, it might be a good thing today. Um, about six weeks ago, Pastor Joel asked if I would um, preach, gave me a date, and I know that we're in Ephesians, so I started reading ahead in Ephesians trying to guess where we might be, hoping we were a little bit further because the beginning of Ephesians chapter three, um, isn't that exciting? And so I was hoping that it wasn't gonna be the beginning of Ephesians chapter three. And then three weeks ago, Pastor Joel texted and said, you're gonna be opening Ephesians chapter three. And I was like, awesome, great, okay. All right, so basically Ephesians chapter three, the beginning of it is a repeat of Ephesians chapter two. So I'm here to say ditto (laughs) to the last three weeks and bye. (laughs) Just just kidding, I I thought about it for a long time because it's very repetitive of Ephesians chapter two. And so I was out on a a walk on the crunch and uh, praying, thinking, well, can I just do all of Ephesians chapter three? Because there's this really awesome prayer coming next week that Pastor Joel gets <laughs> that I'm not jealous at all about, maybe a little. Um, but I was praying and, and, and thinking through the scripture. I'd read it a bunch. I'd, I was just praying and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, some things are worth repeating and repeating again and repeating again. So if this sounds a little bit like what's been going on the last few weeks here at Northside, it's for good reason. It sounds a lot like the messages that have been going on here at Northside over the last few weeks. Paul opens Ephesians chapter three with the hope that we're moving on. He opens with this phrase for this reason And then you think after that, it's gonna go into some great prayer, which happens in verse 14. But then in verse two, he starts with, surely you have heard, and he begins this repeated section of talking about the mystery that was revealed in the Jews and Gentiles becoming one body. And so the last three weeks of Pastor Joel's sermons are gonna sound a little bit reflected through this variations on a theme. As we consider, surely you have heard, and surely you have heard, Pastor Joel talk about some of these things. Maybe recently, maybe over years of being around church, surely you have heard some of these concepts today. And I just wanna bring it through my perspective, my experience, my journey with God, my journey with church. Because sometimes when we offer our own experiences, something fresh happens in what is quite a familiar, quite a simple concept. So Ephesians chapter three, the lovely sermon video that happened right before we, right before I got up here, it says that Ephesians chapter three is about the mystery revealed. And you think that that's gonna be some exciting idea, like we're gonna get into some mystery. But he quickly says, 
This is the mystery. It's, there is no drawn out build. There is no arc of narrative excellence that you wonder what this mystery is. He basically opens the text and says, this is the mystery that we've been waiting for ages. Jews and Gentiles, one. So while I was hoping to maybe draw on some big mysterious language, there's no mystery here. Jesus paid it all, we are one body, that's about the mystery that we've got going on. And that got me thinking. Years ago, uh, I remember as a teenager, my mom would talk to one particular friend every night at the same time. And every night at the same time, there was a TV show called Law and Order on. Has anybody seen Law and Order? Don't put your hands up, I can't not see you if you respond. And so my mom would watch this show with her friend and they would talk about their day and their goings on and all of those things. And They'd seen all the shows before, but you weren't allowed to say you had seen the show until you remembered the mystery of the show. So basically it's a, a criminal justice system thing and there's lawyers and there's police and the whole show culminates in like a final, either the person goes to jail or not. And you, they weren't allowed to say that they'd seen it until they remembered the mystery of the show. Sometimes we need to be reminded and reminded again and reminded again that we know this, that this is important. And even if we think we've seen it, even if we think we've heard it, even if something is sounding familiar, we need to posture ourselves and say, I need to be reminded of this. These simple truths, Jesus paid it all all to him I owe. These simple truths that we are one. These simple truths. And so today, I wanna, I wanna pray because this isn't all that earth shattering, all that new. But sometimes in the familiar, God speaks to us in new ways, reminding us of deep truths and taking things maybe one step further than we've ever been before. So would you open your hearts and open your ears and open your minds to hear what God would have for us today? Whether it's your first time here, whether it's your many, many, manyth time here, that God would have a word for all of us today. Father, we turn to you, and we've prayed and we've sang and we've prayed some more. And we again posture our hearts to receive from your word today. God, sometimes in an idea that maybe we've heard before where there's no mystery left, God, we can you know, just turn off our ears a little bit. Would you open our ears again? Would you give us courage to open our ears again to hear what you would be leading us to, calling us to, drawing us to in this season of Northside Church, God? I thank you that you are present, your purposes are good, and that you have something for each of us today. In your name, Jesus, I pray, amen. All right, so titling this message, Surely You Have Heard, from Ephesians chapter three, verse two. And I have four points this morning, and the first one is that surely you have heard, we are one. We are one. Verses two through six of Ephesians three say this, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace 
that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. So he's already outing himself. Look, I know I'm repeating myself. I've already written about this briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That verse six is beautiful. We are heirs together, members together, sharers together. But not only that, we are heirs together with Israel. What was once only for Jewish, only in certain ways, only in certain customs, Paul is now preaching the gospel is for all. And we are heirs together in the promises of God through the people of Israel. We are members together of one body. It's a beautiful metaphor because even if I don't like a part of my body, I can't get rid of it that easily. I know a friend that cannot handle her toes, but try as she might, you can't get rid of your toes. I mean, you can, but it hurts. And what does it serve if you just, you know, Get rid of what you don't like. We are members together of one body and we are sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. That is the mystery revealed. We are one. Pastor Joel over the last few weeks has talked about the fact that the Jews and Gentiles together created a new thing in the church. And it's a powerful thing to appreciate that we are one. We sang this morning that the church of Christ was born and the spirit lit the flame in reference to Acts chapter two where on the day of Pentecost the disciples were together in the upper room and there's this whole story of tongues of fire and the sound of a mighty rushing wind filling this place and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. And sometimes the foundation of the church is this idea of this rushing wind and the, the tongues of fire and we, we lose sight of what happens just after that because of the big drama that took place as part of it. And the big drama is fantastic. I love the Holy Spirit showing up in power. But right after this, starting in verse five of Acts chapter two, the disciples are speaking in tongues and the people around them from all over, men of various places and languages, could hear the praises of God being declared in their own languages. Because from the very beginning of the church and the very start of the Holy Spirit moving, the Holy Spirit blows past barriers that would commonly divide us blows past languages so that everyone is experiencing the praises of God and the testimony of God and the story of God's people. The Holy Spirit stretches across barriers that often divide, whether that's age. How many are different ages here today? Whether that's race, whether that's gender, whether that's marital status, I am single. 
And the Holy Spirit stretches across relationships to be in relationship with married people or I would not have very many friends. (laughs) I have a few single friends and I love them. But the Holy Spirit helps us go across barriers that often divide, whether that's family status, socioeconomic status, our background, our abilities, our disabilities, the Holy Spirit stretches across barriers that often divide because we are one. A number of years ago, I was experiencing a bit of a, how shall we say it now? I've thought about the way to say this. We were experiencing a little bit of conflict in one of the churches I pastored, and the conflict surrounded worship, music, and style. And we had various people in the congregation that liked certain styles and certain songs and certain hymns and certain choruses, and it roughly fell along the lines of age. People liked what they liked, and there was quite a bit of division going on. And as a young pastor, I was praying, God, help me, help me figure this out. Help me, like, I love all the people. How, how, how do we do this? Uh, help me, how do we do this? And I was sitting at dinner one night, and it was a Thanksgiving dinner, and we were passing food around the table, and I was sitting between my grandmother and my mother, and we were passing food around, and I'm a vegetarian, so the turkey goes by, and I'm like, nah, I'm good. And uh, my grandma's on one side of me, and the potatoes go by, and she's like, nah, I'm good. And the peas go by, and my mom's like, nah, I'm good. And I'm looking at all our plates, and there's different things on the plates, And as I was looking at the plates, I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, it's not wrong, it's just different. And if I frame my differences in a way that sets me as right and you are wrong, or me as good and you are different, if I set myself in a way that places us apart, it just places us apart. And we need to renew and remember that we are one. This past week, I've had the opportunity to meet a new family from Mexico. If you're here today, welcome. I've had the opportunity to pray with a Chinese friend. I've had opportunity to sit with a Singaporean elder. I've had opportunity to sit at a family dinner table with sister and niece from out of town. I've had opportunity to be in conversation with my coworkers of a lot, are much younger in age. And uh, that causes, you know, a lot of questions because it's not a given that we understand each other. And this past week has been so rich across barriers that could potentially divide. We are one church. We are one church. And there are times and places for connection that is the same. But we need to not just stick to what we know and who we know. So I put a question, if you following along on the sermon notes that are online, I've put a question at the end of each point because I really, I don't want to just blow past these points. I want us to consider them. If the Holy Spirit saw fit to write very similar texts back to back 
and highlight the fact that we are one body, I wanna take the opportunity to highlight, a couple weeks ago, Pastor Joel led us in uh, an exercise, I'll talk about the whiteboard, but at the end of one sermon, there were some questions and some challenges to spend time with people and spend time in prayer. I'm not gonna ask if you actually followed up with the homework, but I'm asking you today, who comes to mind to reach out to? As I'm talking about the different people, the different groups, the different things that might commonly divide us, who comes to mind to grab a coffee with, to grab a conversation with, to extend a greeting to, to look around? I encourage you, look around right now. Look around at the people and the faces and the stories that are in this room. No, really, look around. I can't see if you're actually doing it, but something in me is saying you're not. (laughs) Maybe not all of you, but I just know what I'm like when I'm in there and someone's suggesting or telling me to do something. I'm, I'm usually instantly like, nah. But seriously, permission to look around and see the people. When we finish today, if you didn't greet someone that is near you or around you or you haven't seen before, extend greeting to people. We have one service after years of having two. There's still an opportunity to be intentional in meeting and greeting people. Point number one, we are one body. Point number two, We are becoming one, which might contradict the first point a little bit, but it's true. We are one body in Christ Jesus. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Nothing changes that. We come to faith, we are one body. We are the church. But Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, which was at the end of the sermon last week, says, and in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. Being built together. Pastor Joel had a whiteboard with opportunities to connect and some things surfaced on there to go for hikes or to have barbecues or to generally just get connected in ways of community. Wasn't a lot of like prayer meeting language. It wasn't a lot of worship language, which is super important, and I hope you all come to the worship night tonight, because it's powerfully important that we spend time in prayer and worship. But community is usually built over food or activity, reaching out in ways that aren't here all sitting facing the same direction at the same time. It's spent sharing lives and stories, connecting, finding out who you are, why you're a teacher, why you're a nurse, how you're retired, what you retired from. I grew up in Powell River, and I came to faith in the Foursquare Church in Powell River, and I grew up going to Sunday school with a lot of these leaders and and, uh, great people of faith, They were my youth leaders, they were my Sunday school leaders, they were my mentors. 
And when I was 25, I went back to Pell River as the lead pastor of the church. And the president of the denomination at the time said, this is either gonna go very well or very not. Because essentially these people changed your spiritual diapers. They, they saw you as a child coming to faith and growing up. And so this is either gonna go really well or they're not gonna respect you. Like this is, we're gonna try this because God's in this, but it, it might not go well. And I appreciated that because I'm staring at people who were the leaders, the preachers, the teachers, and I'm coming in relatively young saying, I'm gonna pastor this group of people. <laughs> yeah. You can appreciate why it might not have gone well. I can hear the nervous laughter. <laughs> I remember within weeks I had a, a mentor at the time and he said, you need to be intentional and reach out and meet people as 25-year-old Jen. And I was like, that's good advice. So I would pick up the phone and I would start dialing. Um, I decided to start, I'm like, he said, make a list of the people that you would be most nervous to meet with and go from, just, just dive in. So at the top of this list was the couple that had been very, very present in the church of my childhood, but had, had separated a bit over the years. And so I would start dialing their number and I'd get like two from completing and I'd hang up. And then I'd start dialing again and I'd hang up. It got so bad that it was ringing once and I hung up. And I'm like, I am not this person and yet I was. Because I was nervous to connect. And I set this meeting up and I went over and she'd made Rice Krispie treats because that was a common treat when I was a kid and she knew I liked them. <laughs> yeah, I like our Rice Krispie tweet, treat, tweet. You know, same thing. Um, and I, I, I sat there and I said, you were very present in the church of my childhood. What is your story of faith? And we talked. Hours went by, sharing our stories of faith, sharing their points of injury in church, sharing their story and my story and praying together. And it was powerful and it shaped my heart of ministry, heart of connection so much. Fast forward in time and I started going, to, I moved from Powell River to the Lower Mainland, started going to a little church and I'm sitting in a room full of 50 people, it was little, 50 people that I don't know and realizing I have to connect again with strangers. So I made calls and set up coffees and asked the same questions. What is your story? How did you come to faith? Why did you become a teacher? And I got to know people and I fell in love with people and I loved that church and those people still do. Shout out to anyone watching online. And then I started at Northside in COVID. Can I just recommend starting at a church in COVID? Like just, I'm gonna write a book because I recommend it so much. It is so easy to meet people with masks. It's so easy to remember if I've met you. The last couple weeks with people that don't have masks on, I'm like, do I know you? Have, 
I'm trying to envision everybody with masks on. And it's the same for the students I teach over at Pacific Life Bible College. They walk past me and they're smiling and I'm like, oh no, I think I know them. Oh, I think I taught them. Oh no, do I know you? And so I'm asking for your grace. If you think I'm being like snobbish or disinterested, I probably just don't remember you without a mask. But we would be online and I would see faces and then we would be in person and then I wouldn't see faces and there were times where I was meeting people to walk with them and they're walking towards me and I'm like, do I know this person? Is this the person I'm supposed to meet with? How am I supposed to do this? And how am I supposed to keep everybody straight? Because there's a lot more people here than any of the churches I've previously been involved with. And I was nervous and it's hard, it's not easy, it's not comfortable to reach out and meet a whole bunch of new people for me because I'm not naturally given to reaching out and meeting new people. And last summer, one of our uh, summer hires, Jagan, he said I could use his name. Thanks, Jagan. Um, I asked his permission. I did not ask my mother's permission to use an illustration earlier, so uh, don't tell her. Um, but Jagan did a short talk. We had all our summer hires do a short talk and we talked about their um, potential development as, as speakers and communicators. And Jagan got up and gave a, a short talk about the church. And he used the two words for church and I'm not gonna get into all of it, but he talked about the ease in which we fall into the patterns of thinking church is about gathering. And that the other word about church is about community and connection. And he called us to remember that the church is gathering. There is value in this. Point number four is we are powerful. There is value in this. But church is both gathering and it's community and connection. And at the end of it, challenges us to lean into those places of connection that God might be drawing us towards. And in that day, and on that time, I really felt challenged that I had been keeping community within my control. That I've been keeping people within my realm of control. My story was a little bit private. <laughs> and there was no risk to sharing and connecting. And I felt like God was calling me to again risk and again connect and again renew postures of community. And in this season, as we're coming out of COVID, hopefully, and as we're reconnecting in two services being in one, we have the opportunity to renew connection if you want to start a hiking club, start a hiking club. I'll come and join you. If you're doing a barbecue, I will bring, as my previous church called them, my granola bars. You, they called the veggie patties granola bars. And I'm like, what's wrong with you people? But I can appreciate it. At least they cooked them for me. Um, as we have this new season, it takes intentional effort. And we've given, Pastor Joel has given permission, and I wanna reiterate that and say ditto, to giving permission to lean in again 
Some of you might be sitting around people that you've gone to church with for a long time. And I wanna say you have permission to meet people again. What is your story? How was COVID for you? How was working at home for you? How was educating your children at home for you? Reaching in again and renewing that posture to intentionally connect, asking questions, coming together and becoming one. Because although we are one, it also takes effort to become one. And that's where we're at. We are becoming one. There's new people here. I have a life group that I love. I adore my life group on Wednesday nights, every other Wednesday night, and it's, it's open. And I have a lot of people that haven't been at Northside for very long in the life group. And I haven't been at Northside very long. And it's just so fun to connect with these new people and hear their stories. How did you come to Northside? How, how did you come to faith? And I love it. I love praying together. I love learning people's lives. I love it. I want to encourage you, where are you being led to connect in this season? Where are you being led to renew connection at this time? What will help you become one in this season? It might not be forever in all your days, but right now, what's the Holy Spirit drawing you to? Who is the Holy Spirit drawing you to? Let's do these things that become one together. The third point today is, surely you have heard, there is a cost. The first part of this is we are one because Jesus paid the ultimate cost. As we sang this morning, Jesus paid it all. There is no striving, no gifts, no abilities. There is nothing you can do to make yourself part of the body other than by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, we looked at a couple weeks ago talking about the, the gates of our experience together are purely by grace through faith in Jesus, we are one. But Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 say, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Incidentally, that's one of the only verses, well, by chapter and verse, I know by memory because of summer camp, and there was like rhythm, it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, so that no one should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. And there are times when I have been running or walking, and my mind is like wandering into unhealthy places of doubt or discouragement, and it's the verse of scripture that starts the, chi- uh, the shift so often. It is by grace you are saved through faith. Nothing you can do makes you acceptable. Nothing you can do. It is by grace through faith. Jesus paid the ultimate cost for making us one. 
There is no earning, no striving, by grace, through faith. But in the becoming one, we need to consider the costs. Paul opens Ephesians chapter three, you might have noticed I didn't start with verse number one. And then there's this middle section of Ephesians chapter three and the end verse of this section, all talk about him being in prison. So I wanna read those right now. Ephesians chapter three, verse one says, for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of you Gentiles. Skip down to verse number seven. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. He talks about his calling and his ministry. And then in verse 13, he says, I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are for your glory. Paul considered the cost and paid a high cost in his life and ministry. Writing from prison, he encourages the believers and, and, and preaches this gospel and talks about this radical idea of you are one. And he paid a high cost. In 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 27, we're not gonna turn there, but he talks about being flogged and being stoned of the rock variety and being exposed to death and being beaten and being beaten with lashes and hungry and shipwreck. And he talks about the very physical ways that he has suffered persecution for the sake of his ministry. And we, need, we may never face that. We might not face prison. We might not face that kind of hardship, but there are costs. I've mentioned a few already. There is the cost of intentionality. There is the cost of vulnerability. There's the cost of comfort. In some of these situations, there's the cost of ease of communication. If we speak different languages, we need to have grace for one another. And I always like to say, listen, you speak way better English than I speak Chinese, Spanish, whatever your main language is, you speak way better English than I speak any other language because to be honest, I don't speak any other language. And as we grow and get to know one another, there are often things that require some risk and some uncomfortable points to lean towards. Other costs include time and energy. Other costs include shuffling our priorities so that we have time and energy to connect and to be with the body. Other costs might be perseverance, might be humility. There was a season where I felt like God challenged me to meet with a different person each week and sit with a meal with new people once a month. And there have been different ways over the years of connecting and reconnecting with people that all involve cost. What cost is in your consideration? As we talk about becoming one, as we talk about reaching across barriers that often divide, 
What is the cost that you will have to pay for that to happen? Is it risk? Is it your comfort? Is it your time? What is it? And finally this morning, surely you have heard, we are powerful. The church is powerful. Ephesians 3, 10 through 12, Paul finishes this section by saying his intent, God's intent, was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. And through the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. We are powerful. We are fitted together, last week's message, we are fitted together to become a place where God dwells by his spirit. There is something powerful that happens when your life and my life and your faith and my faith comes together and we worship and we pray and we grow in community. There is something powerful that happens in that. There is encouragement that happens in that. When my story of faith meets your story of faith and we can encourage one another. When you pray for my healing and I pray for your healing. When you pray for my life and I get to pray for your life. Together, in community, we turn our attention towards God and there is power there. We are hearing testimonies of healing and just God moving in people's lives and there's gonna be more. There will be more. Because faith is being stirred and when our faith and stories come together and we share stories of healings we've seen, of salvations we've seen, that just stirs faith for more. We are powerful together as we approach God in prayer and worship. And we are powerful together as we approach one another in connection and community. This verse ends with, I ask, no, that's 13, 12. In him and through faith in him, in Jesus and through faith in Jesus, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Talking about community and connection a lot this morning. But it is all, I, I would hope that we act in these ways out of God's leading and God's guidance. As we approach God with the freedom and confidence, would we have ears to hear where he is drawing us to? The people he would have us to connect with. The places of prayer and fellowship that we have with freedom and confidence. In all of these things, there's a potential to have some fear and maybe some doubt. And as we consider this today, there could be fears around meeting people, language, not knowing how to pray, what the cost could be too much. There could be doubts that 
God would be leading in this way, that there are extremes. As I approach God, it could be way too much for me to take, way too much for me to handle. But I just want us to renew our posture of coming before God with freedom and confidence, that he is good, that he's leading us to be a loving community that reaches and restores and releases people. Worship team, if you would like to join, just wrapping things up. As we approach God in freedom and confidence, we can have some fears and doubts. As we close the service today, we're going to turn, uh, turn, to, turn again to worship. And all of these questions, all of the thoughts of who would I connect with, where should I connect, how can I be part of becoming one, what does God have for me in this season? As we approach with freedom and confidence, just reminding ourselves there is no cost that is greater than what he's already paid. His grace is sufficient. His freedom, done. Who, where, what is God calling you today? We're gonna turn our attention to his presence and consider the important things that are worth repeating and allow God to speak to us, allow God's presence to lead us and guide us, because the best ideas are his ideas. I can have good ideas, but what I really want in this season is to know where God is leading and guiding. Would you have the courage to lean in to God's presence today? Lean into what he would have for you. Lean into where he would draw you and guide you and lead you. I just wanna pray. Father, I thank you that we are one. Thank you for the beauty of the body of Christ. I thank you for the goodness of your presence. I pray, God, as we turn to you and come before you with the freedom and confidence that we have, that you would meet us that you would lead us, that you would guide us, that you would fill us, that you would heal us. Jesus, would you push us past any barriers that have kept us separate from you and from each other? Would you just, I don't know, that just nudge us in that gentle way that you do, God? Would you maybe just push us a little bit this morning, gently? stir our courage to follow where you're leading. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.